0: Welcome to Devalued with Mike and Caroline, the place where we talk about art and money and how creative people are navigating the ever-changing landscape or trying to make a living for their work.
1: We're going to be interviewing all types of creative people, and we'll be talking about all types of issues that creative people face. We hope you'll get something out of it. We're excited to welcome you to Devalued.
0: Hey, Mike. Hey, Caroline.
1: Who are we talking with today?
0: We are talking with Pete Kember, who is... Also known as Sonic Boom or Spectrum, E.A.R. He's from the world-famous group Spaceman 3, and he's collaborated with everybody from Panda Bear to Beach House to MGMT. And this is a really exciting conversation.
1: Awesome, let's get into
0: it. Cool. Just okay. very easy. It's supposed to be easy going. That. Yeah. <laughs> Coming back. I'm sorry. And our yeah. our like okay. listeners are like people who are like creatives who are, you know trying to find a life for themselves in the arts.
2: Hmm. So it's it's a, it's an interesting and strange world at the moment, I think. there's I know a lot of people in the... I know a bunch of people, I won't say a lot, in their hmm, 20s and 30s. And it appears to me that one of the major things they're taught at, at uh, music schools and art schools these days is, is that you can you should you, your major way to exist is going to be through funding and through grants from organisations, and it's uh, to me it's uh, I it was a little bit involved in that world with the E A R project where it was seemed to appeal to that sort of art um, centre sort of venue crowd that sort of presentation. And there was a. I, I noticed there were people, you know, she's going back into the '90s, who already really existed just in that domain. And I recognised I didn't want to be part of it at all. And I, I thought it was really bad for your um, mindset and your. I I think it's a totally surreal thing. I totally b- believe in <coughs> funding for the arts. I do absolutely, and for musicians and artists but mostly what i see is people of a certain class more or less middle class kids passing around money amongst other more or less middle class kids who are, you know gone to good art schools and uh, and good music schools and you know I'm, I'm not putting down anyone who's gone through this at all i i feel sorry for them because i think it was a uh, become seems to have be, become part of the the syllabus And I know from uh one time trying to do go this route with Delia Derbyshire, where we we were going to do an electronic music festival. And we just went to the local arts council annual start of the season funding meeting. And um it was really clear that it was quite a very specific task to apply for these things. And it wasn't necessarily merit-based and it, it was basically, and a lot of the people there had done it a lot of times before. They were clearly quite professional at it and just wanted to, their questions were about tweaks in this year's system. and um, So, yeah, it's, uh. I, I, it's 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 very strange world to me. I, I think it's I don't think it's good for people's mental uh, health personally because I think it's uh, I don't know. you know you talk about um you mentioned you know career i i I never planned to have a career. I always just did what I wanted to do. And then at a certain point in the rear view mirror, people start saying, oh, well, your career, and I said, like, oh, I guess, I guess it is. You know, I guess over, after 20 years or something, people start saying that. But I, I, I if I had have had a career plan, I would have been severely disappointed at times, I can guarantee you, because <laughs> there were some years where to do what I wanted to do and do what I wanted to do without trying to um, modify it, you know, from maybe making more money or things like that. I mean, I I ate a lot of boil-in-the-bag beef and uh, cheap pizzas. I can tell you, Uh, you and sometimes to buy equipment as well, I I ate shit food for six months to to uh, to buy some things. So, but but there's there's a reality to that, and you sort of even if you're standing on slightly flimsy legs, they're they're your legs, and and no one can take them away from you. So. that was a long
0: answer, so. Well, one of the best lines on your new song with Panda Bear is one dude's dream is another's day. Mm-hmm. It's so that's such a beautiful, poetic line. And I feel like, you know, for people listening to this, they look at s- someone like you who's managed to do everything they've wanted to do on their own terms Um what does it mean to be able to do that? Like, what does it mean like to have a life where you're choosing projects based on your own passions and vision?
2: Put all in the bag beef.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, people say, oh, well, what would you, you know, what advice would you give to people? And I'd say, be uncompromising because it might not work out tomorrow. It might not work out next week. It might, but it might not. And just have this in mind, and you know, if you think of some people, uh, you know, might be, you know, kind of almost zeitgeisty now, like Throbbing Grizzle. I mean, those were people who clearly w- were just doing what they wanted to do, and, and they didn't give a damn. Uh, I was, I'm, you know, this, I'm old enough to remember that era in the UK, and they were not a successful or popular band. I'm, I'm sure they had their hardcore little cult following. But over time, they found a lot of people all over the world that think they're the most awesome thing ever. So, and they would only exist if they because they were they followed their their dream, as it were. But yeah, I I I find it hard to, and I don't, you know, you know, uh, I don't. Uh, be careful what you wish for. I I don't think your life's any better because people perceive you to be successful. And I would say actually maybe the more successful they are, uh, the more miserable their life is. And I don't know what, I don't know what success brings into people's life. that's good. They can't go anywhere. They have to, you know they're rich, so they're a target. They make themselves—they've made themselves a target by wanting to cling on to loads of money, way more than they'll probably ever need. Um ah, Be careful what you wish for. I mean, I—I I, I, I wouldn't wish for that. Uh, and I think there's a certain point where you're happy in life, and you're—you're—if uh, you're making more money than you need, do something good with it. Do something useful with it. There was that extra zero on your bank account is going to make your life tougher, not better. There's a certain threshold for me, but then I don't have a lust for speedboats or second <laughs> or things like
1: that. So.
0: A lust for speedboats sounds like a good name for an album. <laughs> <laughs>
1: do you consider yourself successful by your own metrics? <laughs>
2: Um, I suppose a little bit. Yeah, I guess I do. I've, I've been lucky and, uh, uh, through the English language for sure a little bit through the internet for sure. Um, you know, some little bunch of dysfunctional kids from rugby who, who, who who clearly were dysfunctionally magnetized towards each other, uh, had a funny little band that wasn't especially popular locally or with their friends, (laughs) but they stuck to it because they believed in it and Shazam, you know. So, uh, yeah, there was some, I mean, we were, you know, I've always had a, I mean, and he used this word lightly, but a work ethic. You know, I mean, I I, I joke that, you know, I, I work hard not to have a real job. Um, and I, you know, I, I didn't, I had a couple of real jobs, not for very long, luckily. Really, and um, yeah, it was enough inspiration to um, be able to, but it's different for different people. And I am lucky in that I, um like all different aspects of the media and I like making videos and I like uh the photo sessions and things and where they are and the, what time of day they happen and all these different things are um are important to me and you know w- weren't always in the same way but um I I like the different aspects of stuff um which you know for a musician at least there's a lot of that you you're usually in studio mode promo mode or touring mode or off switch mode <laughs> uh, those, those really are the only four four modes I, I feel if you're uh if you're doing it every you know year in year out I think.
0: so like when you're releasing a new record like you're about to release a new record with panda bear how do you mm-hmm measure the success of that especially in an era where streaming and like people could put a song on like you know music for guacamole or you know a playlist or like uh vibes for nachos or whatever
2: (laughs) well but i i i i I missed uh it could be the music could be used to advertise
0: (laughs) yeah like like how do you measure the success of an of an album when like songs are just like cold into these like weird playlists oh i
2: don't, i i i have no idea i have no idea <laughs> where do playlists exist like on, on spotify, spotify? Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. i'm i'm uh, i have an allergic reaction even to the word spotify <laughs> so uh, i definitely don't use it
0: yeah so how do you when you're when you're releasing something new like what do you hope for it um Well, I mean, you know, um,
2: I guess that's a long, slow process for me because my thing is to, I like to, if I can get something with a vocal, if I can, the first time I sing it into the microphone, if I'm happy with it, bar a couple of timing bits, some tuning bits, and a couple of bits I can fix with editing. I'll go with that every time. I like the early instinctive uh, things. And I just know from experience, sometimes I, I think it's really important when you're recording someone to record the first thing they do. When the, you know, Because people go, oh, just let me run through it. And I mean, even if you say yes, record it anyway. And even if they don't know, um, it's many, many times I got, and even if you don't get exactly what you want from it, there's a chance they they did something when they were trying to figure it out that they discounted, but actually was really awesome. And then when when they come back in, and you get you say, check that out, and they oh yeah. So uh, I I'm, I've always been a firm believer in that, especially with tape, because you you know it was a more complicated process and editing and dropping in. And, dropping out, we were all fraught, so, um, you you know, you were trying to get as good takes as you can. Um,
1: We wanted to talk to you a little bit about how you live your life. Um, It seems that you've let your creativity and your projects kind of guide you through this journey, and um, that's fascinating to me. I think that's something that a lot of us uh, strive for and I'm curious how you have done that
2: um, over the years or uh, recently or...
1: well I guess financially speaking um, we think a lot about how money can impact a person's creative life and general life and it seems like that doesn't really play into how you make your decisions
2: it's different for different people some 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 people can have to can you know have to work you know some miserable day job that they hate but at weekends when they let off steam you're, you know you're going to get something just like that wouldn't happen otherwise and i'd say you know a little bit with you know talking about the creative thing and what you hope for when you make an album when it's a slowly evolving thing that you slowly get to see, of course, as the songs go down and different overdubs go down. But I know with this album, with the Noah, the Lisa album, I credit most of how it turned out, which I'm super pleased with, um, to COVID. And and I've worked with him before in the studio, and he can be a hoot. He's not a dude he's a hoot in public much, but in, in private, in the studio... He, he is really, can be quite hilarious. But, of course, it was in the middle of lockdown. We were doing it to try and, you know, keep sane a little bit. But, I mean, neither of us were, both of us were super bummed, of course, the whole time. There was so much miserable shit going on everywhere, not just COVID and Trump, uh, and it was probably, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was before Trump went. So, you know, there was a whole load of really, like, I mean, Brexit as well and the whole sort of mindset, of right-wing mindset suddenly spiking up at that point. And it was just, you know, in the way it was affecting our friends and family and different stuff going on around. There was a lot of, ah, there was a lot of tough stuff, almost daily tough stuff. And I, I know we were both super crushed by it and it didn't, when we were making the record, it felt like we were just sort of like guided by wires. I mean, for me at least, I think I think with him, from how quickly he would do stuff and how we would, you know, I I'm not a I'm not usually a keyboard preset dude at all. But uh, preset one was good to go. On on uh, we turned on a new synth they had in preset one. Noah played something. And we we're like, okay, preset one <laughs> this is the first time for everything. <laughs> and it, it's a perfect uh, uh, signifier of this moment in a weird way. We were very, we were very un- psyched about doing it. I mean, we were enjoying it, of course, but we were really unsighted about it. But then when we'd listened to it back and realized what we had, we were like, fuck, all the shit we thought was placeholders don't change it so it's a funny it's a funny world of creativity and I don't think having uh being being rich uh being successful makes you more creative I I do not believe that I think there's a And I I think it's borne out a little bit by the more successful uh, and rich you are as a musician, probably the more people you hire to write your songs for them, write all the riffs, do all the programming, big teams on many of these songs. So, which is always, it's always, I I always have to. I mean, I'm not much of a a, a back, a back patter, but. one thing I'm always because uh, you know you're sort of you're in the same domain as all this stuff where they're spending a massive amount on doing it, and you're doing it in little glorified home studios and the studio I use here as well in in Central Black Sheep Studios is a it's a modest studio you know it's a very affordable modest studio uh, but a, a good one as well so. Um, yeah, I it's it's interesting to sometimes you know Jim Dickinson. He he was a producer. He was he was originally on Sun Records actually. Uh, so he he has a long Memphis history and was involved with Stax Records and did records of Primal Screen, Spiritualized. I did a record with him. I think John Spencer did a record with him. He did records with loads of people. Um, but he said to me, he he was a pretty hilarious, straight talking dude. And he, he was like, If you got the song, everything else is just uh, detail, you know, it, it ain't going to make it and it probably won't break it. And it's t- to your taste, but you got to have the song. And when I sent Noah the loops for these tracks, which were, you know, mostly just um, two-chord repeated loops. I mean, I think, well, you could say go on. It's kind of one chord, one chord of a flick, I'd call it. But um, he really, as soon as he did his vocal part, he, he created an arrangement in a song just with his vocal parts, nothing else, no percussion, no, everything else was added afterwards. And it was... Uh, I again would put it down to COVID a little bit. I was like, every time he send each song through, I was like, what the fuck happened to Noah? <laughs> this is fucking I mean, I think I, you know, I love his music anyway. But I was like, lyrically, vocally, the range he's using. I mean he's he's always been an awesome, awesome singer. But um, I was just like, oh my god, there's new, there's new depth to it and yeah it was uh it was awesome
0: and you mentioned COVID, and your last album all things being equal came out during like the height of lockdown here and i remember when it first came out i would like take long walks around my neighborhood listening to it over and over again because there was like a little moment when it seemed like we could really change the way everything was structured maybe make the world more fair there was a really idealistic moment that was happening and then of course we fucked everything up and didn't do any of that but how i'm not so sure about
2: that i'm not so sure about that because what what i I think whilst the process of covid was uh miserable for everybody sitting on the naughty step for a couple of years you know (laughs) surprise surprise none of us kids wanted to do that But um, I think it made a lot of people change their lives. And I know my wife retrained during COVID. I know other people that did. And um, some people broke up with their partners. Many of them probably should have done anyway. It probably forced something that was uh, uh, um, not all, not all maybe, but some. I think it just sort of made people reevaluate their lives and, and not just be clocking in every day like it's the same old same old, give or take, you know, the usual highs, lows, and heavenly blows that we we're meant to deal with in life. So I, I think the we'll see, we'll see, um, you know, with this album, me and. Noah, um, decided early on that we would give a large percentage of the proceeds from it to MAPS Mm -hmm. who um, are doing just like, amazing work, fixing people, traumatically stressed people, people with PTSD um, and with therapized MDMA sessions um uh, they're just having like stunning results and and just like out of the league of other normal what we would consider our normal pharmacology you know where people don't have to keep they don't not they don't keep taking it it's three sessions and uh the the results apparently get stronger the further away they get from it not less so um there and you know we we looked into all sorts of uh, social sociological uh, charities and you know it's it's a it's a minefield it really is and everything about maps is just screams these dudes are awesome and you know they're just trying to, to fix people take people take people with PTSD and make them un- not only them, like, they have kids and they pass it on and you know, pretty much most of our behaviour is essentially learned a lot of it from our parents a lot of it from our peer group but some of it's biological of course from our, our, our DNA of course imparts certain things about our physiology and things that become part of our personality but essentially behaviour learn learned, if you have traumatised people out there in society ah you know, it just grows, it gets passed on. And um, I think that's where a little bit where we're, we're at is that this has been going on for hundreds of years, 250 years at least since since at least the industrial revolution. And I'm not saying anyone, everyone's life was perfect before, but I think there's just been a, a lot of uh, accumulated dysfunction passed on slowly but surely. And it, I think it gets added on easier than it gets taken off so to take some of that out of the system it was uh it was an easy decision for us to to support it sorry these are long answers no
1: they're they're really great great. yeah uh did you intentionally opt out of like big business or was that just part of your personality and it just kind of happened.
2: I just think that, 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 that you know, we, we, we're brought up to believe that, that having money and having possessions and big houses and all these things is something to be, uh, that that will make you happy. And, and I, I live in an area full of people. We have second massive second homes out here. And I, I look at them and mostly, not universally, but mostly they don't look a happy bunch. They look, they they just don't look a happy bunch. It doesn't, uh, uh, from my experience with people, I just, um, I don't think it's it's the way. So I don't think everything should be about business and and it's all uh, inconsequential and, you know, well, I'm just making money, it's business. I think, again, there's a limit. You have to say, well, how much money do you need to make If you're going to make merchandise, which really you're creating something pretty much, let's face it, just for the, I know know people dig it and stuff, but you are kind of creating something just for the sake of creating it beyond what the real product is, which is mainly the music. It's what sort of ancillary, you know, 360 tie-in sort of thing. And I mean, I I love making all these things. I have to tell you, so it's quite hard (laughs) for me. But uh, I also love plastics, but I also have, have big, issues with plastics and uh how we use plastics and uh so yeah i i have to battle with these things but i just yeah i don't i don't feel the need to overly try and make money from stuff and i I, i'm pretty sure i can speak to noah from noah as well that we both feel lucky to be able to do what we do we've been we've been lucky to have been moderately successful and uh, it's it's yeah. So it's, uh, I don't feel the need to do it. I'm afraid.
1: So if money's not the goal for you, what is?
2: Well, I think you know. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, well, just just you know not uh, to to have a relatively happy life i i i i don't believe being happy the whole time is anything but some could be some sort of induced state i don't think that's the way it should be and you know things should have their ups and downs Or you have no you have no perception of the ups if there's no downs and and, the same contrast in things in music or in Art, or it's really, you know, red's awesome, but red next to black, and that, now that's really something. So, you know, these different things are, um, yeah. I, you know, I, I some some of my most, uh, uh, what's the word? some of my friends who have the most, you know, what I would say, them some of my, my most stable friends, <laughs> it doesn't sound good, does it? it's suggesting I have unstable friends, but <laughs> some, of my, some of my friends that had the most, you know, really seemed to be focused and really, you know, really awesome, positive, sure people said they thought they were mad during COVID. And uh, I personally think the effects of it will take a while to, uh, you know, I, I felt it was a bit like being a, a, a cork on, on an ocean. Some days it was very stormy. And some days it was a bit calmer, but there, there was pretty much always some bobbing. And, uh, yeah, I think the waters might have to still for for some time for, for the effects to totally disappear from that in society in general, I would imagine.
0: And you mentioned MAPS, which is such an awesome organization. And could you ever imagine a time like 20 years ago where like in in the state of Oregon, uh, they're talking about like legalizing psilocybin and it looks like it's going to happen. It looks like there's a lot of places where psychedelic drugs are going to be legalized finally. Um, Could you, like, does that blow your mind? No, I,
2: it always blew my mind that it was any other way because anything that a a has DNA, right? Uh, anything that's a natural substance and plant, those haven't historically been so much problem in society. It's it's the uh, the nitrode, you know. We're not talking kokalis. We're talking cocaine hydrochloride, and we're not talking. Opium or or poppies, we're, we're talking diamorphine hydrochloride or, or diamorphine sulfate. So you know we've done this massive. I I was watching this program about the um, the war wars on drugs, and each time there's been a war on drugs, the strength of drugs has like warp factor each time, and here we are in the fentanyl world. In in the States, it's, it's OxyContin, just like apparently anyone can get them anywhere, anytime they like. They seem to be I mean, a mass epidemic and people, because it's pills and pharmaceutical, they think it's, oh, well, it's, it's different. but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's insane. So I think all those things, and, and also I think if, the, if drugs are decriminalized, I think they're far less attractive. To, to people in general i think it's a better way to go and not spend the money on policing and and uh you know trying to trying to deal with minor bullshit really they never never has any effect at all never did never will and actually spend it on doing useful programs and um because they had it in portugal here they had a. Uh, Uh, in the, I'm not sure if it was the early 90s, it might have been the late 80s, 1% of the population were heroin addicts. They had, uh, I think it's the highest statistic for any country ever. Um, They had a massive, as there was all over Europe, and I'm sure in the States and places as well, there was a massive heroin epidemic from the early 80s pretty much. through yeah, the early 90s, for sure. So they changed their, their laws and decriminalized it. It's, it's not criminal uh, to uh, possess any drugs here. Uh, although it's there are still some limits on the amount that you... Gonna, and weirdly, on things like weed and hash, I forget what it is. something I think it's only 7 or 10 grams for hash, that's you know, quite a lot of hash, but not that much. Uh, and I think it's about an ounce of weed, That it might be 28 to 30 grams. It might be 30 grams. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And uh, but they they rather than you know the, the police and jail aspect, they put the money into if they do think people have a problem with it and they come across people with drugs and they think they have a problem, they send Counseling them to they put the money into that side of it, which is clearly the better way to deal with, with most most like um, um, some crimes like that, rather than putting people in jail, which which is just like seems to be just like adding fuel to the fire to me. You know, put put them in jail with a bunch of other people who know a bunch of tricks and you know in a, in a totally dysfunctional miserable situation. Especially for drugs, I mean putting people in jail for drugs insane to me, but here we go, slowly, 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 catch a monkey, so yeah, that's good in Oregon. yeah, I didn't know that was
0: happening, yeah,
1: I hope it'll be good for society in general,
0: make people nicer. Yeah, I think, I mean, you
2: know, I, you know, I, I have said since the eighties, you know, he's, you know, if you have to go to a, a imagine a pharmacist to get your drugs, he, he is actually going to be paying a little bit more attention to stuff and and maybe give you information you need and maybe have a little bit of a welfare, uh, a bit of welfare in mind. Whereas your, 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 your drug dealer, and your street dealer. Hmm see how that plays out, you know, uh,
0: so a lot of your messages, at least on the, I mean, a lot of the lyrics on the last album, all things being equal were very aspirational, like just imagine and make it about the way that you live. I like two of my favorite songs on that album. Um, are you optimistic about the future? um
2: (laughs) uh, (laughs) uh, post the end of humanity or or before the end (laughs) Um, uh, well, um, yeah, there's some days where I think the best thing that can happen to this planet is is humanity do whatever they have to do, destroy enough of the ecosystem and the seas and the food stocks to, to kill the whole race, uh, although it probably wouldn't. Uh, and the planet will recover, actually. I mean, it's, it's, it's been through some, some crazy shit in the last billion years. so. Uh, we're we're a little blip on we we think we're really significant and we're the we're the kings of the of the, in the the world but um, but no I <laughs> but my caveat to that is uh, I I I think you have to try to be optimistic and you have to point in that direction and I know Buckminster fuller from uh, reading about him. You know, there was a point in his life, if I remember the story correctly, he, he wanted to kill himself. He was he looked out, and this is in the twenties or something. Um, it might be his 40s actually. But he 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 was just seriously depressed about the, you know, what he saw around him on the planet and the way things were going and the the acceleration of things and where it was clearly leading. And He realized he had. I think he had a young kid at the time, wife, and he realized that he that was a pointless thing to do, totally pointless, and that he should might as well just put his energy into trying to change that and trying to do things uh, in a way that he saw and thought were the um, the way that could could still be useful for people and. We could still function, exist and, and but without the toxicity from you know, different things, financial system, all sorts of different things. But um yeah, so I was sort of, you know, I I I can resonate with that. You know, you gotta you gotta die trying, you know. I think he also said uh, the difference, you know, the uh yeah, the difference between uh, oblivion and utopia will be hard for until the last moment. <laughs> like, this isn't going to be an easy race, guys. <laughs> so, well, yeah. in all
1: this bleakness, is art and music your bright spot?
2: Uh, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's actually really hard for me when I. Uh, I ha- I wear different hats at different stages in making my own records and recordings, and it's if if, if it's an uncomfortable process doing it. it doesn't feel comfortable, and I've I've repeated this uh, a few times before, but I I seen a couple of people say it, but I saw David Bowie said well, someone said to him when did you know it's really like going well in the studio when was it? And he said, whenever I felt I was a little bit out of my depth and my feet couldn't touch the bottom. And I was like, ah, that's that's kind of the way I feel. I just feel like it's something a little bit scary about it. But then I just have to do what I do instinctively and I'm not really sure what I've done. And then I have to, the next day or a couple of days later, I'll go back and evaluate it. And then I'll, usually be good to go. But I it doesn't feel like that when I do it. It takes me a while to um, because I mean a lot some of the stuff as well a lot of it is done with editing you know I mean the arrangements and stuff are pretty heavily edited and you know, i have if if one chorus is you know the best chorus will become all the choruses, stuff like that and you know? i i I like that kind of uh yeah get an instinctive performance and then make the best out of it that you can. But, um, everyone works in different ways. I never seen anyone else work like that. It's, it's a kind of, so I never really think of myself much as a musician. I sort of, I'm someone who does it, but, um, I, you know, I don't really have musical training. It's all instinctive for me. So, um, but I work with, uh, Guillaume Gonzalez, who um, engineers for me, does have musical training. And sometimes he'll go, Oh, yeah, it's that note, or, you know, so it's good. I can go in with the instinctive thing. And occasionally he'll say to me, That third chord is that. And I'll be like, actually it isn't it's this one it is this one i'm sure but having sometimes uh it's being it's good to be questioned on things sometimes because then you really have to figure it out go, no, no 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 i'm sure i prefer that too. or or you record them both and decide the next day it's the ideal
0: yeah do you think uh being such a collaborative person has increased your appreciation of music
2: Um, no, because I always really appreciate even, even before I was in a band, I always music always just did something magical for me and uh, it still does, it's still the music I like to listen to or, or things that really once I really like something it, it has the effect endlessly for me, so uh, and yeah yeah um, but um, working with other people. Um, yeah, I mean, my appreciation of the way other people work has definitely <laughs> improved. Yeah, I really like working with different people. And for me, doing me just being doing what I do the whole time would, would be the most boring fucking thing in the world to me. I mean, I, I don't want to, don't want to do that. That's why I like doing the videos and doing the light sign visuals and things like that um where i can on uh and also trying to keep things where trying to get the biggest bang you can you know the getting the most dialed in effect with the most simple things sometimes i mean it's it's not an easy thing to achieve but you can achieve it with sleeves and all sorts of things there's sometimes there's ways you can do really awesome things it needn't be that uh expensive but you have to spend a lot of time thinking about it but um so yeah I like doing all those different things and working with different people you know it's ice age or or um, beach house or MGMT or whatever I mean it, these are all it's it's it, in a way I mean it's like joining it's like joining someone else's gang for for a few months or or well forever a little bit but uh it's uh it, it's a nice experience it's it's fun and and yeah I always learn a lot from the way different people work and you know because a lot of people have their their little tricks their their, their special little tricks <laughs> so it's always really nice to uh to see how different people do stuff and how they think about it and You know, the more I think in anything in life, the more perspectives you can have of something, the the more, well, the more informed you are about it and and the better your understanding about everything. If you think everything's just about your perspective, particularly as a producer, I mean I I don't know, yeah. I I don't know how much I mean the people say a Phil Spector and people like that were sort of dictatorial in the studio. maybe a little bit but um, i yeah i personally don't think that's a good way to uh to work with people i think it should be about an interaction the conversation and ultimately whatever is it needs to whatever it, whatever it takes to get the best record out of them uh, and sometimes say as, that it's that it's the lowest level of it is sometimes just being an audience for them, you know. People, if, if bands are rehearsing stuff like that, and they're just just them rehearsing. They play one way. If someone comes to watch them rehearsing, they play a different way. Um, so, yeah, sometimes even that is uh, can be can really. If you can get a really good performance out of someone again we're back to the jim dickinson thing where it says well if you haven't song use the rest is detail you know once you've once you've got someone connecting with you and communicating with you in a way that you're feeling you're, you're already on good uh good turf
0: i think so i know that a lot of your like musical output is like driven by the instruments that you acquire um are there w- what do you have around the house now that you're really excited about
2: i'm going to sound really really boring with a lot of these <laughs> I'm gonna be like, why, why does he do this <laughs> um well my thing is as well that i i mean you know i have a lot of modular synth stuff uh and and i wouldn't let any of it go easily but mm, it might go years without me touching it sometimes. I mean, some of it I've had since the nineties and I, every so often I do something with it and I really, uh, get into the, what the juice of what that thing does. But I, I don't like, I always had the same feeling with my guitar playing as well. I never wanted to, I never wanted it to evolve too much. So I just don't spend that much time playing guitar. It sounds like, I'm, you know, as I said, I'm, I sort of I, I I'm a non-musician who feels com- compelled to make music apparently. <laughs> um yeah, but I, I know I know how it goes with these things that I I and you know some of these things also I've spent a lot of time with some of these things in years gone by and uh, decades gone by. So sometimes having a little break from them is nice and uh
0: but um yeah. And one other question I wanted to ask you is, um, you do a lot of remixes for people and you did a re- remix of your own album, even like, do you feel like a song is ever done? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do.
2: I, I deadlines Deadlines are good. And also, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. I do feel that, uh, some songs, uh, but then, you know, I I like uh, quite minimal, uh, you know, arrangements with things as well. Even if they're dense, they're not made of too many things, but just good things, the right things, um, which I think is, you know, craft work we're really awesome at. It's like, you know, everyone knew their, their territory within the, the spectrum. And they all and also within the timing, you know, so the things keep out each other's way and play around each other in this really awesome way. Um, so yeah, I I I aspire for, for that kind of a vibe. And occasionally I get lucky, I feel, and sometimes less so, but um something Noah's very good at as well. He's very good at, at hearing the hearing where the gaps are. To, he, he's not someone who thinks the you know the bass and the bass and the bass drum need to hit at the same time. <laughs> um, but but it, it's really awesome. I have to say, he, he does stuff the whole time. And I'm like, yeah, wow, that's really nice. He, he's very he's very good at that.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. This has been amazing. Yeah.
2: yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for asking you to do it. Yeah. 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 Nice one.
0: Thanks for listening to devalue. For more information about our podcast, please visit devalue.show.